Bonita, Bonita, mommy, me the line slipper. Never poetic rhyme, write a cheaper. Ebony, Empress, get a celebrity apprentice, a devil show. Pick up to Africa, Mexico. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Back Channel Podcast. These were real guys talking about these real things, real time. As usual, this is your boy B Mims. And we got Hollywood's finest. It's always a pleasure. G Mac. What's happening? What's happening? All right, man. So we got a really uh, special thing going on here today. Uh, this is the first installment of what I like to call uh, the Much Ado About Nothing series. And what that is, just to give you a little context, it's just, it's not sports centric. It's not anything centric. It's really just kind of uh, an informative kind of like a, I don't know, delving into what I like to think of really good public figures who aren't elected. I mean, these are your people. Everyone has them. These are people who are, they're, they're good people. They're in your neighborhood. They're exciting. They're, they're fascinating people, but they're just not your household name celebrities but these people pretty much uh they gain fans no matter where they go it seems seems like you kind of know these people regardless uh how long you've known them you've kind of known them since day one and the guy we got going on here today is particularly interesting to me and i would i would dare say to most people who 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 have uh, crossed paths with this jet um without further ado t'challa green T'Challa, introduce yourself, my friend. Hey, hey, what's happening, folks? Um, B-Mims and G-Mac, I appreciate the time. Uh, this is, I've enjoyed the, the program and kind of the content you guys have here. Uh, a little bit about myself, uh, from the Gulf Coast of Florida, more specifically the Emerald Coast. 850. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right, 850 and uh, originally the 904, right? And <laughs> yes, sir. Roger that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I grew up there in the 80s. Uh, my dad was like like many of us. Uh, my my dad was in the armed <clears throat> like, like many of our families. My dad was in the armed forces and he was a mechanic and uh, working on F fours and F sixteens and uh, ended up at Eglin Air Force Base. My mom's from England and uh, grew up in Florida and uh, loved the Deep South and uh, love love Europe. Love so it's a I guess my story's been a a, a tale of two continents and uh, so I've been busy filling up all the others over over the years still a couple to go though uh if you feel free to ask away uh you guys got the got a unique format and platform here and uh, happy to happy to be a part of it thanks for the time guys um so all right. hey no the pleasure is all ours man i know you're a busy cat man. and then once people hear us uh, once get into this they'll hear uh kind of like a lot of stuff that you've done and been into and they'll I think that'll resonate that yeah this cat is really busy so I mean thank you yes sir uh, yeah so uh you, good you gave us a little bit of backstory but here's the funny thing I know right now people were listening to this yes his name is T'Challa and I remember having this conversation with you when I first met and it was a, it was a minute ago and I was like hold on your name's T'Challa, and you, you know you gave me that look like, yeah. I was like, wow. He goes, yep. <laughs> that one, you know. And it's so funny. I say that because I suspect in the next three, four years, we're gonna have a bunch of babies named T'Challa and yep. Suri and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's so. 
it was unique growing up with that name. Uh, cre- all credit due to Stanley and Jack Kirby. Um, my dad was into Marvel comics comics back in the '60s and '70s, and uh, that name was there. And I was again, I was born in West Germany, and uh, originally, I think my name was going to be something like Sean or Patrick, some nice Irish name like that. <laughs> but it didn't work out there. Being part English, I feel extra good about it. Uh, but but yeah, no, that's a. Uh, I've had big shoes to fill all my life. So, and as a little kid, you know, everyone kind of, you know, all kinds of different permutations and ways to pronounce it. And I was always a pretty tough kid, so it wasn't like anyone really made fun of my name. But I remember my great grandmother in Southern Georgia, she called me Kachali. So that was my name, of course. So, you know, <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> that. Uh, a lot of my family called me TC, uh, or folks called yeah. me T Green or Green. Out in the English countryside, they call me. They used to call me Tom Thumb back in the old days. So that's a little fun fact. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, dad, dad uh, was one of one of nine children. His mother was one of ten, wow. and uh, for the most part, yeah, no other comic book names in there. But yeah, <laughs> so it was me. I was born in the late seventies, so I just caught disco. So maybe it was a part of that groove. Uh, so, like you referenced a, uh, a couple times that you know, you know, your part your part English so like how was that I mean um like how was that kind of growing up I mean it's one thing like now I think kids because it's so prevalent now uh we have people um of so many you know just diverse backgrounds and things like that and I think it's a lot easier I mean the world's a little bit more accepting of it like now I think quite a bit more accepting of it now but considering like you just said you're you know 70 and 80s baby how did you like how was that growing up how did that shape kind of like what what you know your train of thought and what you kind of got into yeah interesting question um it was it was different for sure you know uh you know off, off the top you know my dad is is black Cherokee Indian Blackfoot Indian and my mom's Anglo-Saxon British you know uh and you know, I got I got I got access to a wide spectrum of uh, of life early on. It was great. It was really fascinating to me. I've always loved people, and it's been a love that it's grown over the years. And, you know, as a kid in the South, yeah, you see racism, you know, but, but from both sides. And it, it was it was something where you had to just kind of figure it out, you know. And all kids go through it, as you know, and then single digits and teen years trying to figure out, you know, you want to be friends with, want to be. You know, you want to live a good life, but you, you're so young, you don't really know or understand the different nuances of it. But it was great because, I mean, I just grew up lower middle class and but I had family all over the world. So I was able to actually go and travel, and you know, stay with family and, and make my own friends in different places. And and uh, my, my mom and dad split when I was really young, but they were they always remained civil and friends and still to this day and my mom was really tight with my dad's mom and grandmother so that was a real blessing you know and just seeing the nuance because my mom's complexion she's she was like as light as barbara bush and my 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 great grandmother was darker than wesley snipes so it was a nice uh a nice nice uh slice of life to be able to you know to see the countryside on both continents and and understand about the human condition and you learn a lot about people, things you didn't really even realize at the time as a kid, but you learn, you know, about treating people fairly and about decency and 
but you know that it wasn't easy that you're if you were you're going to achieve things you had to work really hard and even if you did that sometimes it still didn't work out so things like that kind of uh left an early impression on me and uh and that's where it kind of ties into you know the youth uh my love of food i've been cooking since i was like eight years old i know we've we've talked about it over over time over the years i've always uh enjoyed it i mean you know all aspects of it and it's that love has only grown uh from the farmers markets and one of different butchers and fishmongers and what have you but then you get a chance to learn all from my whole background but also and more importantly learning from people that are different from me that has really helped me out and uh, inspired me to continue to uh as i guess the surf, surf culture would say to be a searcher and i've kind of always been like that But I mean, like, <laughs> I think it's so interesting to hear you say that because it kind of, because I'm, I'm learning about this, just to be clear, like this, this is as much as for anyone else just finding out about this. I'm just kind of learning like, wow, okay, so this is, ex this is connecting dots right here for me. Like, okay, this is how tea has become tea. Right. I mean, so, I mean, we know you grew up in the 904, the original 904 and, um, you went to uh, you went to Niceville High School and then NHS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Niceville High School, right on John Sims Parkway. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's that's home still to this day. Whenever I go visit, it's nice to it's nice to go out and, and uh, put in put in some time. Yeah, I actually, uh, yeah, I grew up there. Got in, you know, like any kid, you know, playing soccer and baseball, football. Uh, and really had a good time, you know, regular, you know, regular youth. I was a little bit of a heathen, so I had those challenges there, you know, and uh, self-induced, you know, that's part of the growing process. I actually was, uh, for being a, <laughs> for being a, a, you know, a multi-time college graduate, uh, yeah, I was the first person to drop out of my class in uh, 10th grade by choice. I just wasn't feeling it, you know, I didn't, uh, the work wasn't challenging for me and I didn't, that kind of clashed with the administration there. And uh, I went out and got on the tools, became a laborer and then a decent mechanic apprentice and uh, started working, man. I mean, I've been working since I was 14 years old. And uh, I think that's that actually really helped me. I went back to school, of course, and got after it and became a semi responsible pro professional and adult. Still, there's always room for improvement, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it all kind of started there in, uh, in the Niceville Valparaiso area. And, so uh, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Just so, just so I'm clear here. Just so I'm clear. In the tenth grade, you dropped out by choice. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm gonna say this right now. That was the white side of you that did that. <laughs> I just let you know. Sure. I, I love you. I, yeah, I love you, but I just let you know that that's 100. percent I mean, and, and good on, good on, you know, Mama Green get on you know <laughs> she wasn't a fan of it by any means for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean she, she let she let her boy spread her rings good on her but i'm just letting you know uh the I honorable start paying rent <laughs> yeah the honorable estelle would have shot me in the head like uh you know euphemism <laughs> and literally not a living all by any means. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I just want I just want to throw that out there. Anyway, um, <laughs> um so you you went back and then you ended up going to college. 
you ended up, like what school did you end this is was really fascinating what school did you end up going to <laughs> so i started out locally there in town uh used to be uh, i guess now what is it gary what is it uh northwest florida North- college or something <laughs> yeah something weird. state college state college it's owcc is always gonna be owc so yeah owjc back in the day right right yep 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 put a couple guys to the league i think uh started there locally you know and having you know being close to family and well, then I was like, okay, you know, goofed around. But I was still a couple of head, years ahead of uh, my, would have, would, have, would have been my graduating class. But I was goofing around. I realized I needed to focus. And I said, well, if I go down to Dade County, if I'm in Miami, I'm on, I didn't, I didn't have the belief in myself that I would really focus. I, I worried about myself being, spending too much time on South Beach. And of course, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, Carroll City, Liberty, you know. In, in, in Liberty and just I was like nah I gotta, I gotta get out of Florida so I can get it in, dialed in and uh, so I have family in Ohio and uh, my granddad moved the family there to the Columbus area back in the 60s and he had got a job with uh, White Westinghouse and he worked there for 20 years and that um, an assembly for them and then he got a job at Ohio State and he worked for them for 20 years retired from there as well my dad went there uh, and my aunt Sandra's alumnus and to this day, I mean, I, uh, I I got accepted there academically. So I was like, okay, I'll go to OSU. And I had been out of school, so I missed those three years of prep football. And that was a, I was in the best shape of my life. I think at the time I was like six foot, 217, about 8% body fat. I was a machine. But I missed all those years of prep football, which I think kind of took away some of the love. And I started to become more pragmatic in my thinking. And I was like, well, I was going to to play Mike Linebacker. And they had a guy there named Matt Wilhelm mm-hmm. and you saw that guy play and you're like man that dude's that dude's gonna play on Sundays for sure right and uh he kind of had been in that trek of solid Mike linebackers they had and I started doing the numbers and the pieces and I said man I got I got, only got a couple years of eligibility and it was, it was a really weird law at the time I don't even know if it's still viable or active but because it could have blew my mind I was like well I just come from a community college in Florida we didn't even have a football team and uh, meanwhile, in Tallahassee, we'll just say, as Brother Mims knows, we had a, y'all had Chris Winkie, which I think he was, what, 26 years old or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 26. But mind you, he, he went by the, the rules that were available. I think he went as amateur baseball, and right. I was able to do so. So it kind of blew my mind. I was like, well, I was always, you know, raised up to be a hard worker from both mom and dad. And I said, well, I work, be on scout team for two two years or you know, and, and get a chance and I'm out of eligibility. That doesn't make much sense. So I was like, well, I still need to be in Ohio. Let me go to a smaller school. Let me, that'll probably give me a better odd, better, better lineup. And I, and I said, I need to get one with a better student to teacher or teacher, excuse me, student to teacher ratio. So I looked at a few others and I decided on the small little hamlet of Urbana, Ohio. <laughs> and uh, it was the best calls I ever could have made, you know? Shout out to Justin Hunt. <laughs> shout, shout out to Brother Hunt. Yeah, he was a, uh, uh, it's just west of uh, of Columbus, out there near uh, near Springfield, which is where Wittenberg's at. And uh, you know what? I had an epiphany one day. I was driving back to my grandmother's and literally sitting on, I got out, sat on top of my Lincoln, had a gold 89 Lincoln Continental back. <laughs> and I was in a cornfield. And I sat there, I might've had, you know, maybe one of those left-handed roll cigarettes or something, who knows? Right. And I said, you know what? I, just, I, don't, I don't really love this anymore. Yeah, I love it as a fan. I love the game. I said, I just went from a, a big, you know, chance to play at a big school, which a very minute chance of playing. I'm at this small school 
it's it's just like a one in a million shot. I said, and you don't love it anymore. <laughs> so you're wasting your your time and your your teammates' time. So then and there in that cornfield, I decided I wasn't going to play football anymore, and I decided to focus on what was between my my eyes, my brain, and uh, I I just I just took off. Things took off from there, and uh, it was great being in that area up there. Uh, within like a, I know you're, you're familiar with the area, uh, Mims. Yeah. Within like a 75 or hundred square mile radius, you've got, you've got 50 plus colleges and universities, it seems. And, uh, you know, got a chance to support the school and, and, and made friends at neighboring universities and some friends of which, you know, you know, still were, you know, were solid friends and in some cases became business partners and other ventures and things like that years later. And uh, yeah, I was president of the university's business club. Got to continue to be active in some different nonprofits, profit things, and got to be close to family. So that was a real blessing. And then I moved down, moved down to Tampa Bay. And uh, I think it was, well, it was right after the dot com thing. And uh, those of you that remember, right? Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was hard to get on place. I had, you know, I, I felt pretty strong, and I was. Uh, it was a quality candidate. And I remember I talked to, I had friends at McKenzie and, and Accenture and, you know, I thought I was going to go and be a management consultant and get on one of these big firms, had a buddy at UBS. So I was like, well, maybe I can get in, you know, on one of these angles and nobody was hiring. So it kind of, you know, it really, it really opened your eyes up, you know, like, okay, well, you got to get creative, man. And, uh, you know, I was, a, I think I was a title clerk at a bankruptcy law firm, you know, and uh, again, made great contacts, worked with some some really sharp people. And I've always been able to glean, and this is not with the intent of doing so, but just through building relationships, you know, over my course of my travels, you know, you, you, you really get a chance to meet some of the best of the best if you pay attention. And, uh, you know, it helped me. I'm a personal trainer. <laughs> I remember I was in New Tampa and uh, I, uh, I did that and I built relationships with, uh, we had base between me and some of my colleagues, we had semi-pro baseball players and we had uh, Olympic softball players. Uh, we had uh, worked some relationships with the school district up there. And that's how I met my mentor. And I ended up uh, starting to work in venture capital. And uh, again, just trying to pay attention and, you know, understand the pulse of the of the current time and um, try to try to be an asset to wherever, wherever I've been. And I feel, you know, you know, I failed in, in some aspects of it, you know, in life, just like anybody. So then I was like, okay, I realized I need to go get a little more seasoning in, an, you know, in quality conversations with folks that I, opinions I really respected. I said, well, I needed to either go to New York or LA. And so I was like, I need to continue on with this education groove. And uh, so I applied to business schools in, in, in both markets and got accepted in schools in both markets. So again, you get to that fork in the road. What does young T Green do? What does he take the route out to Santa Monica? Yeah. There, you know, you know, become you know on the beach grew, or does he go to the the Big Apple? Well, I chose the uh, latter of the two, and so I went to St. John's, and uh, and I'm an old Big East guy anyway, so I kind of, you know, that that heartfelt you know sentiment was there, and uh, and I, I went up there, I knowing knowing one person, a, a guy I knew from Wittenberg University in Ohio, and uh, up on two thirteen in Broadway, way up there for any of you familiar with Manhattan. And yeah. <laughs> the AC and E train, you know, getting down there. And I think it took me about an hour and a half <laughs> to, to get to school at night, you know, work during the day and 
went to business school at night and uh it, that that kind of uh was a real synergistic uh part of my life you know living and working in new york city and uh yeah it was a game changer met a met a really uh beautiful being a russian italian lawyer down on wall street who was from new orleans and uh she was way smarter smarter than i and a better person than i but uh we uh, were together for about four and a half years and i met her at a salsa party <laughs> my, my, my roommate luigi was into the salsa scene up there so it was you know salsa merengue bachata yeah a little bit of samba we used to go to places like uh uh, Nels, which is no longer in existence, uh, Copacabana, uh, SOB, Sounds of Brazil. And I kind of just, you know, embrace, fully embraced uh, the time there. Got a chance to learn and be mentored by some serial entrepreneurs and 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 just kind of soak it all in, and, you know, trying to remember my roots where I come from still at the same time. So, but uh, so, sorry for yeah. the night. You got me going. No, no, there. no. no, no. No, no, you're fine. You're fine, dude. That's what we have you on here for. But it's clear that, you know, that you're talking about, you know, entrepreneurial spirits and stuff like that. You're, uh, you know, venture capitalism and all this other stuff. And then the one thing that's also apparent here is that like how it's like the saying, you know, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss. And you clearly, you clearly weren't afraid to move around. Right. So where like where does this like this travel it's clearly there's a travel bug because like i know just simply because you're an excellent follow like on you know when you're ig or whatever um this travel bug is clear that you have it and like what where where did you get it from and like where has it taken you oh yeah well uh yeah it's it's, it's probably i'd say it's my my greatest passion in all the world is travel and uh, I get it from both mom and dad. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force uh, for nine years, got out uh, honorable discharge, and he got really, he realized he had a great opportunity with software. And he was always into hardware and software and programming. And so he got out to, to pursue that. And uh, he was in the martial arts too. He actually had a, uh, for a brief time, he had a Taekwondo studio in Fort Walton Beach. And but then he realized that he had an even greater opportunity. He got into oil and natural gas. So that took him all over the world, of course. You know, he was, in, you know, catching up with him. He might be in the, the Bay of Bengal outside of India, you know, or he might be on the Trans-Alaska or Alaska or pipeline up, up north or Trans-Canada. Or he was in Kuwait, you know, right before the first Gulf War by a couple months. He got out of there for that, thankfully. My mom... Uh, you know, she was she really helped inspire that uh, travel interest at a deep level as well. She worked in the airport for about 30 years there where we grew up. And, uh, you know, we always, you know, meet seeing people coming in and out and uh, from all different, you know, ports of entry, so to say, and points of origin, rather. Um, we've always we've always been around travel and uh, I've always been had a deep interest of it. You know, we'd go maybe every every two to three years, I guess, depending on what was going on. We'd go to the UK and uh, spend time with my nan, my grandmother, you know, and our family over there. And we've a family in Scotland too. We'd go there. When I was about seventeen, though, I was like, man, I want to. I really would like to go on a little honey vacation of my own. So I remember this is a fun, fun, quick story. 
uh, I remember I was 17 years old and I, I, I talked her into letting me go to talked her into letting me go to London by myself. And reluctantly, after seeing my plan and realized that I had done some homework on it, she said, okay, all right. So, so I had, you know, and thank you, mom. Uh, she, uh, she, she really dialed in the trip. I had my, I got my bus ticket. I had my hotel already covered. You know, I had spending money. I remember I had like four pounds for, for like four days. And so I had a ticket to get back, as you would say, would say return trip. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I stayed in Leicester Square which I don't know how familiar you folks are with London, but it's a bustling area there. And uh, I remember the first day I was, uh, I was at this Thai restaurant and I was just, uh, it's almost, I was like, yeah, they were bringing out great, you know, great chalices with all these different curries and chutneys and lamb dishes. And I was ordering, hey, one of these, one of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there was an, a couple, an older couple there, two gals they were sitting next to me they were from Canada I think I bought them a bottle of wine but I think I, I've been so used to, to going out and about and I kind of grew up at a faster rate than a lot of my my cohorts at school and I think that was a blessing for me so I kind of had been exposed to more serious and adult situations you know that's just the way the universe kind of put it in my path so long story short I remember that first day first day there in London eating like a king having all the great meals and all and I remember day four having just enough money to go to the corner store and get a six pack of yogurt and a little container of orange juice <laughs> for our journey back to the east and it just you know i've always had an appreciation for that so it kind of that it humbles you and to remember like you know things that they don't teach you in school like you know you know and maybe you know you, you pray that the parents do teach them about budgeting and you know the real cost of things and you know safety and uh having your wits to you in which uh you know i was taught those lessons thankfully but you, you still forget when you're by yourself at times especially when you're younger sometimes when you're older and uh i i've uh, I, I began to take more trips you know i you know i started going to holland which uh i'm a big fan of the netherlands but i still think to this day the nicest people on earth they always uh have been really really engaging really genuine really really warm and they speak better English than us. <laughs> so that was because my Dutch is mediocre. So that helps out. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, like that's not saying much. We don't speak English here. We speak American. So. <laughs> yeah. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Like, where, if you had to, your top five places that, that you've been uh, travel wise, I mean, uh, whether, I mean, recreational wise, I mean, sure. I was always impressed that, I mean, with you you took a trip to Patagonia and it's just one of those things where people just don't you do that best, like people just don't do that like the <laughs> average person just doesn't do that yeah and then but it's so like for people that don't know this is so Tito and he had the best caption though see it all yeah and and I adopted that I remember when I would go places or whatever and I would just tab to like see it all like cause I mean like you're right G's right you, you, the average person just doesn't do that. <laughs> like the average like, person don't know where Patagonia is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What top five places, man? Top five. Uh, you, you, uh, not in any particular order, but without, but I will say number one. You just named it. Patagonia was the game changer for me. I, uh, I've been to five continents, and 
I've had a chance to been blessed to been able to see a lot of things, you know, the course of my life. You know, it's been a really good run. But in tomorrow, I could say it's been a great run. But I look forward to many more adventures. Just in Patagonia, the mixing of the the mix of uh, of flora and fauna is just really tough to beat. I mean, you've got gigantic glaciers and mountain lakes and and big, you know, you know, forests of of all different types and it's so it's very desolate it's hard to get to you know and uh animals you don't see anywhere else on earth and it's it's way down in the very bottom <laughs> we'll say so we're chilly and come together uh you've got you've a lot of people have heard of the straits of magellan if they remember their geography lessons from their yep. youth uh i was south of the straits of magellan a part of that trip the beagle channel where darwin went through when he was doing his exploratory when he went up north to the galapagos and all uh so you're the the southernmost city in the world is there uh Ushuaia which is about 800 kilometers from Antarctica and uh I just went down there just to kind of explore and see and I'd always dreamed about it and I had the chance to make it happen uh I'd been consulting and I was between projects and I I gave myself some time I did the due diligence and I looked you know I mapped it all out and uh just kind of slowly meandered down there. I remember I was I think at the time I was shopping on price for the ticket and I remember I started out in Tampa Bay, went to Miami, Miami to Panama City, Panama. And I had like a 13-hour layover there by choice. A uh, great city by the way. Oh yeah, for sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, friends went down there, opened up hotels and odds and ends and whatnot. Really cool. Um I had a like a 13-hour layover and I I just remember I gave this guy whatever X amount of dollars. Said, hey man, this want to see the local groove man let's get out of here at the city center and show me around so we did you know i got a chance to kind of get out there you know beachside you know get get you know see, but you got a chance to see some parts of it you know there's abject poverty and you know, like a lot of rough rough things you don't see on a postcard you know sure and uh a chance to explore there and you know and i've always had an appreciation for central central and south america latin america you know such so a great great group of folks and either i went from there uh and a little pro tip for those doing those long trips make sure you find you a uh an airport with a spa cuz oftentimes they have showers so hitting a shower on a long trip is a game changer yes, as you know so i uh i did that and i went i flew to bolivia which is a country i'm going to return to and uh, i just had a long early am layover there connected with some folks from belgium and hungary had some beers you know at like 4 in the morning or whatever and uh that's always fun and then uh then then got to Buenos Aires spent some time there ate some great steak had to change airports and then finally get down to El Calafate which is which is kind of like the gateway to to Patagonia it's on the Chilean border and uh and it's just uh people do the research check it out when you go down there pack it in pack it out but definitely see it touch it feel it but i want to continue to answer your question mems uh i really enjoyed the 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 french alps uh like uh Chamonix was a place I had heard about uh in my in my 20s ex-girlfriend was a big fan of it and I uh I had talked to some family and extended family in Scotland about it and kind of got some of the, the guidance it's a new, unique area where the French Italian and Swiss Alps all come together and you, you know your chance to be above the cloud line presents some unique opportunities I enjoyed it there also the Côte d'Azur which is in France as well which is my cousins and my British cousins would kind of look at me silly you know given the whole old British French row 
but no, in all reality, that a lot of a lot of holiday makers there are are British. But uh, I really enjoyed Coach Azur. Cassis was a a a, a really tr- real treat. Seeing the old timers out there playing petanque, which is kind of like a uh, bocce ball, right? Uh, drinking, you know, and uh, drinking good wine, and you know, enjoying the coast. I enjoyed doing some little hikes out there, and they're equivalent of what the Norwegians would call fjords. Uh, my favorite though was Antibes, uh, out of those those cities along the coast east of Marseille. Uh, Antibes is, a, is just a, it's west of Monton, uh, west of that Italian border, and uh, that's where Picasso retired. Oh, wow. And uh, a lot of flavor there. I feel like a meandering fellows, but I want you to feel free to interject at any time. No, 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 no. I'm just, uh, we're just still waiting. We're just, we're just taking it in. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Also, uh, uh, one cool aspect, uh, uh, I had a lot of family in Australia. I actually have five times more family in Australia on my mom's side than in America. <laughs> wow. And even more in, in the UK. So uh, got a chance to go there uh, about seven years ago. And yeah, it's a long flight, about 14 hours from LAX to Sydney. And, uh, but it's so worth it. Give yourself time. If you go to Australia, New Zealand, uh, make sure you got at least, you know, two and a half, three weeks. Otherwise you just, you know, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah, there is some jet lag on the front and back, but you want to really, it's such a big place. There's, and you, you, just like when folks come to, the, to America, Europeans and folks from all around, they don't realize how big the United States is, you know? you're. You're not just going to fly into, you know, to Logan or to JFK and then just hop in a car and drive to Hollywood or to Miami. It's not feasible. Right. Same thing with Australia. There's so much of that I want to see. And I've got, yeah. I was supposed to be in a wedding there actually about five weeks ago. Uh, my cousin James and his lovely wife Tina got married. And I was going to go out there. And of course, with COVID 19, it's not uh, us, us here domestically, we're not necessarily allowed to travel most places. And right. for right now, so if the world gets their act together, it's probably all right, you know. So uh, uh, by the world, you mean the U.S. Right. Let's be honest. Correct. The U.S. is the yeah. We're the only ones that really need that correct. act together. And this is correct. Yeah, I did misspeak on that. But uh, yeah, until we tell you, the U.S. gets our act together. We were not uh, necessarily able to go in many places. So yeah, we have to have a policy. Get have a, you have to have a sound policy plan, and we we don't have either of those in regards to COVID nineteen. So that's uh. That there's limitations there um in that regard where else would i, I i've enjoyed the caribbean uh i went i was in yos van dyke earlier in the year that was uh that was a nice trip down there in the british virgin islands uh that that's pretty tough to beat uh vietnam I, I, rounding out my top five i would say uh vietnam was really special uh warm warm, warm people uh a great a, a storied history uh obviously we, we had a, a challenging history with them, the America. And, but I didn't feel any resentment there. Um, really welcoming folks. Uh, we went there and was in uh, Hong Kong as well. So that, that's a, a different vibe altogether than, than being out in Hanoi. Uh, but, but again, um, I, I'm a big fan of travel and like next year I'd like to, Lord willing, uh, I bumped my trip to Africa. I want to go to Namibia, to the Skeleton Coast and uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then Kenya, I have some colleagues in Nairobi that I need to catch yeah. with, and then Tanzania and Morocco. But I think I answered your question. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because, like, I, I waited on all of those 
just the, like at the end that you said like Tanzania, Kenya, and Namibia, and I was like, oh, okay, finally some place I've been. And I'm like, okay, so um, yeah, I was actually uh, in July. I was for my birthday. I was supposed to go to uh, uh, South Africa, and um, but COVID went ahead and uh, went ahead and uh, chopped that up. So hope, like you said, Lord willing, next year. So yes, yes. Um, out, out of all of that, G, I know you and G because I mean you you kicked me off. I know this is you kicked me off with you expanded my beer palette. And G, I think you could kind of talk, you could, you know, talk about kind of something, a similar situation, you know, what he's done with you and as far as like, you know, hipped you up to your beer. Because you're, I mean, you're a beer connoisseur. He is. And um, <laughs> G, t- tell, I mean, tell the people kind of like, what's, like, what's your experience with T and like you learning about spirits and if you will. Well, it's a, it's a, first let me see. Oh, we'll get to that later. Anyways. Uh, not this past year, but the year before, my brother and I, his girl, the homies Jerome and Courtney, we all went to New Orleans. It was it was my sister in law's birthday, so they had already planned to go, and I wanted to go, but I know how him and her get down, and they gonna be arguing. I'm like, I don't want to go with just them. <clears throat> so I, I, I hit up Jerome <laughs> and Courtney like, Hey, let's go to New Orleans, and they're like, All right, let's go. So they were down with. <laughs> And that's when T was still living there. So we pull up. I holler at T like, hey, what's up, man? Like, I'm in town. Like, he's all right. Maybe here at Apple Pub, whatever. So I fall off in this place. Like, I have no idea what to expect, right? Fall off in this place. <laughs> it's all craft beer. Like, badass selection. We had a, what do they call them, T? Dump truck fries? Man. Yeah, the dump fries, yeah. Bruh. Go for it. Bruh. <laughs> like we ate we drank some bomb ass beers whatever Jerome and Courtney showed up later we took the trolley dog he just he took dog he took New Orleans to the next level and we <laughs> never touched Bourbon Street we didn't even touch it like that was Bourbon Street was like it's 2 in the morning okay let's go see what's happening on Bourbon Street like we've seen everything else cause we was with him so he took us to this uh, what was it called uh, Star Bar? Josephi's? It was the La Fontaine Hotel or something like that with the rooftop oh, the, bar. The Pontchartrain Hotel. Pontchartrain. The hot tent. Yeah, he hot took us there. Right. And um, it was a long-ass line. And um, somehow he got us to skip the whole line. The dude let us, you had to get in the elevator to go to the bar. And it's on the top, like top, top of the building. We walk in with tea, skip the line, get in the elevator. Boom, we're at the top plush ass bar like it's got an outside patio where you can see all of New Orleans super sick it was so sick we went back every night after that <laughs> every night after that we kept going back Courtney's like let's go back to the, let's go to the rooftop so we did that right so that first night's over and T's like hey man I got you something he hands me a cigar it's E.P. Carrillo it's got a blue little label on it he hands it to me I'm like alright like we'll see like I wasn't smoking cigars too much back then but I smoked it and I was like damn that, was, that shit was and I see what's up now so ever since then I've been on the mad cigar kick trying out new shit going I got a humidor membership I'm going to check it out like it was just a random thing for him like I, here here like take this but to me it's like I opened it like a whole new world over here now 
And this is like everyday thing to this dude. Like he probably had 12 of those. He probably had some shit better than that. <laughs> well, I did. You know, I know. That's what I'm saying. But, and it was just the most simple, random act of whatever. And it turned into like, I'm not going to say a lifestyle, but it's almost like a hobby of mine now. Just based on that little thing. But, man, this dude showed me New Orleans like no other. And last year was even fucking better. Um, I think Malik was with us, right? Us three. Yeah, Malik was there. He was there early. He got to right. bed in early. We pulled yeah. up. I got there early in the morning. I slept a little bit. I caught up with him about two o'clock. And Mims, when I tell you, bro, from two to from two to two, we hit the ground running. We was eating the best shit, having the best drinks. We stopped and got some cigars. That that was that's honestly one of the funnest days of my life. Like no, we worked bullshit. magazine pretty hard. That we worked, we yeah, we did, bro. Like, I mean, the, stuff, the places we were going, I couldn't tell you where we went. I couldn't tell you what we did. But <laughs> what I do know is, we didn't go to Bourbon Street. I had great food. That pork cheek was absolute fire. Yeah, uh, yeah. we smoked some cigars. We had some good craft beer. We had uh, remember when it was that little local, little like beer local beer place, and the dude was making gin and tonics. And I loved. I've, I've been a gin fan forever, but I haven't drank it in a while. Uh, yes, that, that, that gin and tonic, dog. That was the best mixed drink I've ever had in my life. I don't know what was in it or what he did to it. It was yeah. fantastic, dog. We like we balled out that day. Yeah, I think that was such a blast. I want to say that was at Coquette, which is a great little place. Right. So again, that whole weekend, I got to New Orleans on Thursday. I left Monday morning time of my life bro and I didn't go I went to Bourbon Street at 2 in the morning just to see the fools act a fool we never touched Bourbon bro and it was a blast like absolute blast to say the least yeah that was a special trip we had a we had got everybody out to Parkway Bakery there on Bayou St. John yes happy campers there but uh no we had some great barrel aged stouts and those farmhouse ales I mean I mean Avenue Pub is is it's my old neighborhood place and become real good friends with those folks over the years. Polly and, and her team over there. It's a really special place. So it was neat to get, you know, to share that place with the boys last year for the, for the SP group. And uh, that, that was a fun event. It was, sure. it definitely was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fun fact, you, you got me started on stouts and Porter. Right. You, yeah. That like before I never really, I remember like you actually expanded my knowledge on Russian beers. And and how like he was like oh no you have to try these Russian stouts and I was like first of all Russian beer <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest I was yeah. like you know I tried to play it cool but in my head I'm like <laughs> but yeah Russian, Russian beer, beer but also more enigmatic of style Russian imperial stouts as, as we drank both yeah. we drank beers from from Russia but also Russian imperial stouts made made domestically and uh, it's a favorite style I mean it just. There's just so much character in them, I find, and uh, the chance, you know, the, you don't have to deal with the hop. Some people love, you know, hop bombs and the you know, big, big punch of, of IPAs, double IPAs. It turns a lot of people off. I, I don't mind drinking them here or there. I used to be really into them. But uh, stouts are an old-time favorite. And it's getting to be stout season right about now, boys. I don't know where you are. I know where Mims, where Mims is at uh, right now. It's got to be pretty cool. It's, I'm here in the upstate, South Carolina, and it's, it's in the 40s this morning, so definitely stout weather g you're down there in uh you're san antonio right yes sir yeah the weather's still pumping out there i'd imagine uh we had a 
quote unquote air quotes cold front. Oh, we got seventy five. Seventy five yesterday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> real, real. So it's about seventy sixty eight right now, which is great for me. But these motherfuckers is walking around with coats on, hoodies, <laughs> scarves and shit. Like, man, y'all need to stop. Man, I'm looking at snow capped mountains right now, right? <laughs> that is that. I, I got, I got to get up there. Yeah, I, uh, I got a buddy down there. He's hunting the ranch today, and uh, they've got some nice brisk weather there in uh, the hill country. Right. Hopefully, he harvests a, a nice looking buck today. Good luck to you, Uncle Jesse. But <laughs> that dude, like, I don't know, man. Like, again, this is the that was the most like, gee, that was the most key thing right there. You're just like, okay, hey, man, we want to do this, and then you don't. The thing about it is, you don't tell T you want to do something unless you really want right. to do it because he is going to he is going to be like, all right, you said you want to do this, and I only know one way to do it, and that's right. <laughs> and like eleven hours later, you're like, whew. <laughs> you're like, yeah, man, straight up, dog. That's how the New Orleans thing was when we landed. Like, I woke up in the morning, like, God damn it, that just happened. And this is this is day one. Like everyone else hadn't even showed up yet. It was just us three. I it was head- like shit. I can go home now, and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. We went to Barrel Proof there. Uh, that was that was a uh, the late night. That was a that was a quality spot. That's one of my favorite favorite whiskey spots in the, in the Crescent City. Uh, definitely, definitely had some nice uh, some nice whiskey there, bourbon, Scotch, and uh, highly recommend it for anyone who gets down there. Check them out. So on that subject, <clears throat> give me your top three whiskey bourbon choices your top mm. three cigar choices and give me your best pairing of the two okay ah, a, a, a more difficult question than one would think but I, I will try um I'm, I'm a big bourbon fan I always throughout my years I've always said I'm a bourbon drinker who enjoys scotch right whereas, whereas if you talk to my dad he's a scotch drinker through and through you go to his house he would have because he likes to be a good host where I learned it from, but he's a Scotch guy, top to bottom. For me, uh, bourbon, I'm an E.H. Taylor guy. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate that style of uh, distilling. I love Willet. Uh, and these are, I mean, they're not necessarily, no one would really call them everyday drinkers, but, but they're, they're just special. They have, they have a certain quality that I appreciate. Um, for outside of Kentucky, uh, but it's in that same wheelhouse, Bell Mead. They're in Tennessee, right? And they're they're making some really, really crazy good stuff right now. And they're incorporating sherry casks and uh, doing some different barrel barreling uh, and, and cooperage approaches, which I kind of admire. And uh, that's neat. Uh, as far as Scotch family, I don't know if any of my family's listening over there, there uh, or later on. They're they're from just north of the Highlands, so more of a sweet malt base there, whereas compared to, say, uh, you know, the western Isla, you know, on the western front, you're getting that really peaty, earthy, Lagavulin, uh, Talisker. I really I, I, I really like those. But if I'm going to go for Highlands malt uh, and then that general area, I mean, you can't go wrong with Glimmerangie, McAllen, and, and Dalwini 15-year, I've always really, really cherished. I'm getting more into Japanese whiskeys over the over the last few years, and so I 
try to try to do study up a little bit on the you know I, I like that Hibiki Japanese harmony if you can find it that's really good um, the, all the Nika Nika offerings they're they're smile makers as far as for pairings and I know I, I left some out but just for brevity just to kind of give you a snapshot there I, I kind of kept the list kind of tight but uh, as far as for pairings you know you we're all taught as young 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 adults you know oh you have to have white wine with with fish only and you have to have this with that i've always kind of fancied myself as an iconoclast and i didn't really try to follow the rules but i mean there's there's some instances where that's where it's accurate you don't want to have competing flavors and you don't want to have clash at times so it's good to not just try to be different for the sake of being different you know right so trial and error in the kitchen and just uh ex- explorations and, ex- and uh adventure have kind of helped me bring it in kind of kind of harness the power the force a little bit better uh, i'm a big fan of big burly cabernet sauvignons i mean it's tough to beat that with you know like a nice marbled strip steak or ribeye i'm gonna get into one of those wagyu uh steaks tomorrow i imagine i mean that that you can't go wrong with it that's a classic but i mean and i love pinot noir because it's a really it's a hard wine to, grape to grow it's really delicate compared to say some of the others that can just grow in the you know really arid areas with that are really dry and they get more concentrated flavors there pinot noir has to be kind of cared after more so like an infant and so it's that more delicate flavors i like those a lot but i mean i can appreciate like the tempranillo stuff from from spain i'm actually going to get some of those grapes next year i'm going to i'm going to try those out there at the ranch see if we can't grow some of those my focus is going to be on peaches but i guess we can get to that on another another podcast but um pairing wise i mean i like uh i like really dry sauvignon blancs i'll do those with like 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 baked baked fish you know stuff that are flakier i have yellowfin tuna i'll do that i'll do like a zinfandel with uh with yellowfin tuna that's that's an that's an old favorite of mine um i like i really like bordeaux and i i, I try to I've got a rab I've got some rabbit in the freezer. I might do do like a like a demi-glace with that. I like root vegetables and I try to I know my mom my mom might not be listening, but she she always wanna make sure I get my vegetables, you know, like probably like all of our moms, right? Yep. <laughs> I uh I, I uh as far as I used to live in Paso Robles, so I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, loyal to those to that region and, and their and their viticulture and their approach to, to winemaking. So I, I, I really recommend that because, you know, Napa and Sonoma, they get a lot of the pub and uh, a lot of that uh, notoriety, but there's great wines grown all over uh, or made all over rather. Some states that you didn't think that, that have winemaking now are making some decent stuff. I mean, they're in the Lone Star now. They're really, they're making good wine. Yeah, Fredericksburg's pretty big on that. A- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're cranking out some really neat stuff. Uh, I try stuff from Oregon, uh, upstate New York. Cool. I'm just not really into sweet sweet wines, uh, Gary. I'm, I'm not really into the. That's not for me. If I want to have a sweet wine, I'm going to go all in and get, you know, Gerard's trimming or something. You know, to put, you know, something to have with ice cream. Right. But uh, I like dry red. But I mean, I, I try to have something, have a, an assortment, especially when having guests. You know, something that someone else could appreciate, maybe that I don't like. So it's, I have an old saying. And I'll kind of close this segment up on this. Uh, di- uh, different palettes, or there, there's a uh, there's different palettes 
<clears throat> oh, I'm messing that up. Excuse me. <clears throat> there's there's no wrong there's no wrong answer. Only different palettes. Right. You know, just just be, you know, and I've and we see it as as you go through this thing called life. You know, not everyone's gonna like the same things you, you do. do. And that's, that's okay. That, I think I think that's a blessing actually. Sure. That's how you learn. Exactly. That's how you learn. Exactly. exactly. Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, I'll go with you offline, GMAC, on uh, on some on some more specific pairings, but uh, I hope I answered it somewhat. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, G, G, G keep it going. Anything else? Um, yeah, yeah, real quick, G. Something I want to ask you. There was a football game about two weeks ago. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a game, wasn't there? It was a game. It was about two weeks ago. Hey, hey. Um, it happened, I believe, this, somewhere in South Florida. A couple of man. colleges played. Do you remember anything about that? That was a team from Dayton, a team from Leon, I think. I believe so. Man, who are those teams? I'm not sure, but I know it didn't end well for one of them. <laughs> man, a storied rivalry. A storied rivalry. I grew up in a... My, y'all both know this, but some of the listeners might not. I grew up in a Seminole household. So there was a couple... As a Miami fan and now Booster... There was days I grew up where me and my mom throughout the year, we didn't like each other a couple of those days, you know? Right. And that's back when both programs were, you know, those games really meant something, you know, on the national stage. Yes. Uh, they still fought to, to us folks all on this call, on this podcast right now, for sure. But man, that, that was a, that was a wild time. So it, it does feel pretty good to, to win that one. You know, you hate to, I'm actually up there working in the, the Clemson upstate area or the upstate South Carolina area. So definitely rich. Clemson, Clemson, uh, country up here, but it's still nice to to have to, to to win against Florida State because sometimes we've we've been on the other edge of the sword, so it's uh it feels good to be on a roll. I'll leave it at that. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, first of all, that was uncalled. That was uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've done nothing in the history that we've known each other to warrant that disrespect. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've done absolutely nothing. <laughs> but he's been a good steward. I, I will take the high road. You don't really have a choice, and, bro. You don't really have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely zero, zero choice. Man. Believe me, if, if believe me, if the shoes on the other foot, y'all still be hearing about that. So I mean, like I'm not even. Yeah. Okay. We we try to we just whatever. We're, we're gonna pretend like that segment didn't happen. And we do like that means Sanders. we have, we remember when he scored a touchdown. He just handed it to the ref. <laughs> yeah. Before. Uh, just just to be clear, don't be surprised if if certain parts fall, you know are found on the editor's floor. I know that post post production hand is heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to have a misunderstanding uh, at the uh, at the editing portion of this, but anyway, um, moving on to something that people want to hear far more about than the demise of Talic Classy, um, dude. I, I here's what I do know: I have a wide array of musical interests and flavors and favorites. Um, there's there's a couple people, man. I like to say that um, that when I when I think of them and I, I you know I talk to them, I feel a little less interesting. Like me personally, like you know you think like oh you know cool I, I'm pretty put together you know I know this and that. 
but then you meet some people and you're like eh, I'm kind of like not so interested right. clearly he is in one of those groups that I, I when I talk to I'm like yeah yeah I'm kind of ordinary today but, <laughs> oh no man. no 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 don't get me wrong I'm still high sure. on Brian sure. <laughs> I, I, I still like Brian don't get me wrong uh, I'm just saying music wise I mean you've introduced me to some things where I, I, maybe not all of it like like you said hey there's no there are no wrong things just different palettes and uh, maybe that it didn't all stick with me but mu- there's some things musically that I that you've uh, kind of put out there that I was like wow let me listen to that and like so, who, who are some of your favorites man like like where and where you get that from like like <laughs> yeah uh, that's a really good question um, for uh well, growing up, you know, with music, you know, you learn early on. Like, I think the first, first little taste of music I got, I can remember, like, in my mom's church, you know, they were, they had guitars and they had organs and drums and, you know, and tambourines. And you always had that, you know, that sound around. And, you know, and you go to, like, you know, my great, or my grandmother was one of the first female preachers in, in Georgia, Georgia back in the, she was back there in the 50s. So they had, like, a musical groove. And so you kind of get that influence and, you know, you, you hear some of that old gospel groove with Mahalia Jackson and those type of things. And, and my mom was, yeah. yeah, you know, my dad was into, got me into the blues, you know, B.B. Uh, King and, 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 and Buddy Guy. And uh, my mom was into the old school country, you know, music when she moved to America. So, like, I, I would hear, like, you know, uh, you know, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, but then, like, the British wave of stuff, you know, the you know, Beatles. Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stones. Uh, I kind of, you know, I really got into like old R&B, like Fats Domino is one of my all-time guys. I was actually blessed enough to be in his second line after he died. Uh, and I, I had just been in New Orleans like a day and a half prior. I turned right around and drove back to New Orleans for that because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Sure. Chance to be in the second line, you know, six miles altogether through the rain. We went out to his home and recording studio and Dr. John was there, and, and Charmaine Neville was there. James Peters, the famous uh, trumpeter there in New Orleans, organized the second line. That was real special. And I like Billy Preston, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty eclectic with it. I mean, I listen to, I love really Beach Boy, or like more more middle level, like Pet Sounds, Beach Boys, none of the real pop, pop early stuff, but more the gimmicky stuff, but more of the, more of the, the mindful stuff. Uh, uh, I like heady music. Uh, I mean, I'm in Motown. I really like I appreciate the the groove that that kind of like that Barry Gordy and and all the all those old great producers and, and thinkers like Quincy and all those Quincy Jones and all those guys the stuff they come up with. I mean, I listen to I'm into jazz. I, I really I really got appreciation for that. I listen to like I like Gustav Mahler and you know when I want really peaceful background. This morning I was listening to what's on this what's on the dial here. I've got some Zamrock, which is from. Zambia, you know, and that's kind of really far out there. A lot of people don't know about that style of music because it's, uh, you know, it's from the 70s. It's funky. It's soulful. It's bluesy. I highly recommend it. I think I posted about that earlier today on uh, Instagram or something. But uh, I like the, I like people that try hard, you know, as a musician. I like singer songwriters. I like people seeing people's stories, you know, storytellers, whether it's too short or most deaf, you know, or if it's, you know, like, Lucinda Williams or John Prine, who just passed away recently, singer-songwriters and self-producers, 
people that really put in their heart and soul into stuff. I mean, I'm not going to front. I mean, some of these, these, I'm not really, I admit it. I'm not really dialed into pop music that much, but as you watch people's careers progress, I mean, I'll own it. Taylor Swift, man, I've heard a couple of her cuts and I was like, man, chick works hard. I never thought I would say that, you know, years ago. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm not wearing a t-shirt or nothing, but you know, good is good is the way I do and if you well, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop you right here, T. Yeah, stop you right here. Stop. No matter, Taylor Swift can save a bunch of puppies out of a burning building. She could. Uh, <laughs> she could be the. She could be the sole person that that is a catalyst for getting black people reparations. <laughs> and I will still cut her Achilles for what she did to Earth, Wind, and Fire September. <laughs> 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 that was I will take that with like I like I mean that was trash I I, I just don't have words for it I mean <laughs> I, I believe the Lord I believe the Lord will forgive me for that I think he will say you know what I understand because I had nothing to do with that no I so um no you're not wrong for the but go ahead. man no, but go ahead but go ahead I'm sorry oh no you're fine no absolutely I mean I I I'm a big fan of live music and I've seen I've seen a lot of acts over the years and from not just music festivals, but quaint venues where there was only like 20 or 30 people in the, in the room. And uh, I love Zydeco. I live in and around, you know, Cajun culture and they, there was a big influence on me. And, uh, I love, I love the sound of the, the washboard and, and, uh, as it mixes in with all that, you know, all that good Cajun and Creole groove, uh, you know, Again, I, I hate to, to to go back to you know singer songwriters, but someone's got a story to tell that really that really connects with you. Um, Professor Longhair and like you know boogie woogie stuff with a beat, you know stuff you can groove to. I mean, I was just listening to uh, the RZA's Bobby Digital album. Uh, just yeah, yeah. I could just I, I just I could play that back and forth for days on end, you know. And uh, I, I, it takes me back to being 16 years old with it with an 80, 84 Chevy Camaro, you know, riding around the panhandle of Florida and uh, thinking about, hey, I wonder what those cats up in New York are doing, you know? What's that, you know? And uh, expansionist, you know, mind stuff like that. Big fan of The Doors, you know? I was really big when I was, you get a chance to, when you drop out of high school at an early age, you, you get a chance to think a lot, you know? <laughs> you know, you're pushing a jackhammer, you know, while kids are studying psychology and or whatever geography in 10th, 11th grade. And you're like, oh man, was this the right call? But my career has taken me all over the, the country and, and now, you know, and working in heavy industrial and, and, and uh, working around automotive plants, chemical plants, power renewables rail and you look back and how it's kind of come full circle and you're like man man that was a rush and it's still going and the future looks bright man and uh music is part of the sound soundtrack of the walk and i'm happy to have it you know i they talk about if you could lose one sense would you would you regret losing sense of taste or sense of ear or sense of hearing that's a tough call you have to really think about it you know i mean yeah you know vision's easy you want to see it you know but if you had to lose your ears or your taste you know That'd be a real tough one. That'd be real tough. Wow. Think about that. Chew on that for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. No, I, uh, and I try to learn and listen. You know, I, uh, there's a lot of really good music being made out there. You know, I was, uh, I was big in rock and roll, uh, growing up. I grew up around a lot of that. 
and uh, I go try to give an ear to stuff, you know. Some stuff falls to the wayside and some carries on, you know. I listen to Serge Gainsbourg. I mean, a lot of people, you guys are probably like, huh? Who? I mean, he was like, a, you know, like a French, a French, like kind of R&B pop guy from the 60s. The guy was like, you know, he had a really fascinating story too. You know, he was with Jane Birkin, Diane Greco, you know, he, he was one of the great character writers. There's actually a really fun piece on YouTube with him and Whitney Houston on an interview show in his later years, which you should pull up later on and have a laugh. But <laughs> but no, as far as for music, I think that kind of kind of rounded out. Um, what about you guys? What uh, I know I know this is a a loose format here. What uh, what about you, Gary? I mean, I, I kind of like to li- I pick up stuff from you guys, you know, and I, I see what you guys post and I I learn and listen. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty much anti anything new <laughs> I mean I'll take that back I'll listen to new music from old artists yeah but most of the new stuff I'm not with like whatever we grew up on high school and 90s that's my jam I love 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 my guilty pleasure is like 80s rock like I call it MTV music sure you know Hall and Oates the now car, you're talking the Carvers <laughs> uh that kind of shit, I don't know why I love it. I guess because I used to, I grew up on it and I listened to it a lot in the hospital when I stayed or whatever. But like, that's, I, I don't, I'm not a say. I'm still, you know, a lot of hip hop, of course, but 80s rock, man, it does it for me, bro. I don't know why. Like, that's my thing. My pops listens to a lot of jazz. So I get down with a little bit of Kenny G and uh, Bodie James, some stuff like that. But, um, I don't have nearly the wide array of you guys, of course, but you know that's just kind of what I what I like to do when I'm working out or when I'm just anything '80s. I'm with it. Anything for '80s for all their faults and ups and downs and bad rep that they get, man. '80s '80s did create some good, you know, and most of it I feel was in the music. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. I my my thing on the '80s, I, I think that. 80s, I think every genre of music collectively, the 80s had the best collective of genre of music, meaning like pop, uh, hip hop, R&B, R&B, rock, rock, you know, whatever you want to mean, but not like, like I'll put it this way. I think 90s R&B, uh, there's some things about 90s R&B that are, I think, infinitely better than 80s, but I'm saying collectively, yeah. the 80s, yeah, yeah. that era. Yeah. Right. They're, they're the most well-rounded out of all of them because, like, for instance, 90s, you could, as much as that you may love uh, 90s uh, R&B and whatnot and hip-hop, like, maybe the country was trash yeah. in the 90s. You see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And, but, 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 and I think, yeah. But go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, that, that's my thing when you talk about 80s. So, like, I'm always, like, I see something 80s or I hear something 80s, I'm always going to stop this. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just so, like, it's different. And also, too, and this is what's really crazy about the 80s. More so than what you come back uh, now and even in the 70s. The 80s, they did something where they, they did where you had these long bouts where you, 
you had to like it, the pattern how music changed you had to basic vocals yeah. your vocals in the 80s it was different from the 70s yes and for the 70s you, you had a little different beat you had that kind of like funkier funkier like disco whatever <laughs> that beat that yeah. kind of grooved or whatever in the 90s you kind of had all these different things you know like technology kind of right went right you know advanced and all this the 80s they had primitive primitive snares and drums or whatever and it, that's it where drum. it's like rock the 80s you had these long solos yeah like you know for guitar solos so you had yeah. to be able to strum absolutely i mean you had my you know and then prince they were doing their thing and they, you know that like, they were to me i'll be a different genres of music it kind of to me it, it, it equals out to like how uh the, the the Beatles and the Beach Boys were challenging each other. When you think of it, Michael Michael would put out an album, Prince would put out an album, and they kind of, oh, yeah. they expanded. They kind of challenged each other. I don't know how competitive it was directly. You know, I'm I'm sure there's there's books on that type of thing, and and I mean, but they they kind of pushed the pushed the envelope, and it, I think it made it a better place. Yeah, I mean, but that's why that's what the '80s were always it's, it's always I mean dear to me because. That's where you had people uh, like it was just really kind of the production was kind of like okay, production is whatever, but we're putting out people who could like for instance I was just listening I posted it in our our uh, thank God thank God it's old school Friday or yeah whatever. yeah uh, freaking Denise Williams yeah right right like like free like like it it was I mean good you know good music good. Uh, good harmonies or whatever, but like you had to sing, you had to have, you like that. You had to have pipes for sure. Yeah, and that that's why it was like it's just crazy. Is like the eighties again? Like I said, collectively, when it comes to all of the genres, I think they had they were the most well-rounded. They were the in baseball terms, they were the five-tool player. Right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, but. That's just me on that. So, so, yeah, because this, like, T, I told you before this, man, <laughs> I, this, this could go on for hours, for sure. man. There's so much more, and we're gonna do a part two to this because I just think that there's so much more to this dude, and I'm always cool with bros who are, um, like I told you at the beginning, like this, this is really for this series is really for the people who, I mean, outstanding people, man, that like deserve shine and they're just interesting people man and i don't think you have to be you have to be some celebrity or or uh international or national for that matter some celebrity in order to kind of get that shot but i say all that to say our last one will be this you're on death row and you have because knowing you, uh, you you're gonna give us your your death row meal and my personal favorite, considering knowing you and how, uh, you know, how accomplished and refined you are, give us your death row fast food meal as well. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, uh, okay. So when I, when I first thought of that, I was like, oh man, that's a tough one when you think of it. I'll do both of the, for the, for the death row meal itself, it, you know, you know, I got one, one day left. I want to have, I got I have no, no uh, limitations on what I could get. Death row meal, fast food coming up second. I would say for the death row meal, would, I'd go all in. I'd say, give me the beef bourguignon, give me the lobster roll, the lamb nahari, a little New York style pizza, right? 
<laughs> seared yellow and tuna. Give me the dry aged steak, medium rare, ribeye. Yeah. Hey, give me some banana pudding, right? Hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> keep, it, keep it southern, right? Yes, sir. And a little bit of throw some greens in there too. Absolutely. Too much. Uh, fast food. Fast food is tough. I got it first off. I'm gonna show a little love to. So it's some fast food for us local folks there in the Panhandle. I'm gonna have some Danny's fried chicken, G Mac. Absolutely. I'm gonna get Danny. Absolutely. Nice bill. Nice little love. I'm gonna get some uh, fried okra. Mm-hmm. And as my man, and then they serve all this. My, as my man Justin Wilson would say, some gizzards. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I would get some of those. And uh, this one, you know, I, I, I saw something you posted, uh, DMs, uh, maybe last week or something. And, you know, and, and I'm not really the biggest fast food guy, but some of the burgers, you know, I, I really like Shake Shack burgers. I don't know. I'm not loyal to them. I'm not going to go out of my way. I don't believe in, even though I'm part British, I don't believe in queuing up or getting in long lines. Not really. I will do whatever I can to escape a line. I mean, in and out, not for everybody. I don't mind it. I'm not going to go wait in line for it. Right. I, uh, for all the fancy food that's out there, it's like, I just love like, you know, like cheeseburgers and pizza, you know? <laughs> I've eaten in like, you know, Eric Repair's restaurants. I'm a big fan of like Renee Redzepi, you know, from Noma. And I, I, I guess I'm one of those fellows that reads the top 50 restaurants, lit, you know, and I go to those places. I feel really blessed to be able to do that. And I, I savor it. At the end of the day, you know, I, I, I like the patron line, you know, mom and pop joints on the side of the highway, you know, mm-hmm. like food. I'm really excited to see the food truck uh, industry grow. So I know it doesn't necessarily qualify as fast food, but just getting like, you know, you know, getting some Al Pastor tacos, you know, down, down on the side of the road, kind of fast food, but I know that's not really answering the question. But G Mac, you can vouch for me being out there in Texas and kind of where I moved the base camp to. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty tough to beat, you know, and you can get it, it so easy. Absolutely. You know, let me get my carnitas. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I want to get, yeah. you know, let me get my carne asada. Asada the pot. is that fire, boy. You know, you know, <laughs> uh, let's, 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 let's get it all in. You know, let's get the flautas. Let's, let's go all in. So, again, not necessarily maybe a, a, there's no real loyalty to a, a fast food brand per se but you know give me my food trucks give me a good food truck and you know uh, we'll, we'll call it a day and uh y'all remember me well type of thing for sure no no crying i, I no crying celebration a party i might even leave a couple dollars to host it no doubt <laughs> thank you guys all right man um wow like this is exactly what this is exactly what I figured this would be. I mean, we we could just sit up here and do this for like for a long freaking time. We got and, um, we got to get into cinema and uh, literature next time. Oh, we're we're gonna believe me. There's gonna be a part two. There's gonna be a part two. It's just a matter, it's just a matter of if you got the time. Uh, it's time for you guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Gee, like anything else? I mean, like. Speak your piece, my man. Uh, I just want to say, though T and I went to high school together, I didn't really know him then. Uh, funny story, I think I told him this the last time I saw him. But uh, <clears throat> there was a couple chicks that lived on the east side of the base. 
one of which I was courting. Every, every, <laughs> every time I would talk to her, she'd be like, oh, well, these guys are over here and T Green was here and he and she was she kept saying T Green, T Green. I was like, who the fuck is this T Green? <laughs> and why the fuck do you keep talking about him? You know what I'm saying? So I didn't know the dude. I know he went to school with us. Um, I was a younger guy. You you were upperclassman. Right. So I was, um, like I just I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is so fast forward 30 years later, whatever we're at now. Um I came across you on Facebook and I remembered your name. So, you know, we just did an ad and through like just random posts and stuff, started seeing we were connecting, had some stuff in common. And then, Mims, I think I bumped into you on some other Facebook group. Yeah, something like that. Big ups. Like, it's just to me, it's crazy how that shit's all transformed into now we're doing a podcast together. Like, I don't know. To me, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, me. Anyways, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, y'all are some solid dudes. I'm glad I met y'all. I just think it's weird the way it happened. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. As 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 Hunter Thompson would say, when the going gets tough, the tough tough go weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something. All right. Uh, yo, T, you want to say anything before we dip out? Oh. To all the listeners out there, have a great weekend. Make a stranger smile. Great. Cool. Yo, thank you. So on on that, man, uh, this has been uh Black Town Podcast. These real cats talking about real things, real time, man. And shout out to uh once again T Chisel, as I like to call him. Uh, for just, yeah, for just really just you know, taking the time, man, to open up, let, you know, a bunch of uh, guests talk to them and then basically open up, your, you know, yourself to whomever strangers who are listening to this. So, hey, man, thank you again and uh, keep banging. Absolutely. My-